Welcome to People, Places, Planet Pod, the official podcast of the Environmental Law Institute, a nonprofit, nonpartisan organization working to ensure a healthy environment, prosperous economies, and vibrant communities founded on the rule of law. Only 3% of the world's water resources is freshwater, and the demands on this constrained, non-renewable resource is extraordinary and will continue to grow for generations to come. Water scarcity and quality is just as much of a problem in our own backyards as it is everywhere else. In today's episode, we will be exploring one creative way to conserve water. A car wash is estimated to use between 80 to 140 gallons of water per wash. Today, we will be speaking to DJ Patterson, a local water steward who founded Oklahoma's first and only waterless car wash service, EcoGreen Mobile Detailing. EcoGreen is not just reducing the use of water, but is also avoiding the release of harmful chemicals into waterways and sewer systems. Hello and welcome. This is your host, Ozzy Akpan, and today we are talking with the founder of EcoGreen Mobile Detailing, LLC, DJ Patterson. DJ, thank you so much for being here today. We're really excited to talk to you and learn more about your company. So first, um, we'd love to hear about your journey up to this point. Could you tell us what led you to start EcoGreen? Yeah, so I, um, out of high school, I always worked at a uh, car wash and detail shop, so I always was detailing vehicles and so forth. Um, I decided to go uh, mobile and leave the car wash and detail shop that I worked at for several years. Um, I actually started to manage it and so forth, but I wanted to leave and go do my own thing. Um, so I had a, uh, the 1999 Ford Contour, a little small vehicle, but I was able to work out of the trunk of that vehicle because I used, I had a waterless solution we can, we used to wash the vehicle. So it required, uh, no water, no water tanks and very minimal space to operate. So it was a very easy startup. Um, and that's kind of how I branched into the mobile. And then, you know, of course, some things went in place to make it eco green. Um, but yeah, that's kind of the uh, the initial start. Initially, when we started, we were really pushing the aspect of being a mobile business. Um, we really didn't push the fact that we were green, we were saving 100 gallons of water per car we cleaned. Once we began to realize, you know, what it meant, we started to do other things in our business to become more green. So we wanted to do more than just save water, um, you know, and things like that. So we switched our product line to a more plant-based approach. So the entire line of cleaning agents that we would use um, throughout the duration of our cleaning services were plant-based. That's wonderful. And of course, um, we have to ask, um, how exactly do you wash a car without water? Yeah, we get that question quite frequently, actually. <laughs> um, it's uh, it's pretty much spray and wipe with some techniques. So mm-hmm. we spray a panel of the vehicle um, and we use a clean microfiber cloth to wipe in one direction and it lifts the dirt and debris off the surface. I realized I didn't, um, I wanted to get a little bit more information about the product you use. Um, sure. um, where did you get it bef- from and how did you decide this is the product you want to use for your um, your detailing service? Yeah, so when I first started, um, I was pretty much flat broke. I went from working at a car wash to working on my own. So there was no, I didn't have very much income anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wasn't able to um, purchase you know, the, the green products like that. I had to buy, you know, whatever it was I can get by with, you know, 25 bucks for a five gallon of degrees that I can, you know, dilute down and make all kinds of th- things with, you know, not the most green product, but it was co- cost effective for me mm-hmm. being a, a small startup, a young kid. Um, but 
I was researching, okay, when I when I have enough exit, when I have enough revenue coming in to sustain a higher chemical cost, I, I need to find a company to work with. And I found a company up north, it's called EcoTouch, and they develop, um, they manufacture a full line of professional detailing products that are plant-based. Mm -hmm. So um, I would start buying small quantities of their product, and I noticed very quickly that, you know, it was a huge expense, but it was definitely worth it looking long term. And then here we are eight years. And, you know, it was the best decision ever made because the products, they work great. They're green and we're able to, um, you know, just utilize that that line of that option of products there. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, the research was done earlier on. It was just a matter of when to pull the trigger on switching from the cheaper toxic cleaners to the more plant-based approach. And could you tell us about some of the environmental and health benefits of the products you use? Yeah, definitely. So um, within the detailing industry, there are a lot of chemicals, um, cleaning chemicals, a lot of companies out there that have, you know, chemicals and so forth. And nine out of 10 of those chemicals aren't, um, aren't, you know, really safe to breathe in and so forth. They're very hazardous. Um, very strong and things like that so using the products that we use that are plant-based you know we have all of our ingredients listed on our bottles and so forth um, it's better for the for the user the detours that we that we employ and also the um, consumers as well because when they get in their vehicles they don't have that toxic you know heavy cleaner chemical smell in their vehicle it's just a um, it's just a it's not even there's really not a scent at all it's just whatever the ingredients are in the in the solution so um, definitely better long term, especially for the detours that we employ to be using chemicals, you know, day in and day out. The chemicals that we use are not going to be harmful for their health, um, opposed to, you know, other traditional companies that use more of the heavier toxic cleaners. Um, I'm sure down the line there could or may or may not be some kind of health problems and so forth, but we know for sure that we won't have that within our, the people that use our, our cleaning agents as well. So mm -hmm. that's great. So um, waterless car washes have been around for a while, and they're especially popular in areas like California, where there are a lot of drought issues, and there's a really strong uh, pro-sustainability culture. Um, so how did you get a landlocked Midwestern state to care about sustainability and water use? Uh, through partnerships. Mm -hmm. um, uh, through partnerships with, there's, there's, a, um, there's a, quite a few companies here in Tulsa that are very passionate about you know being green mm -hmm. um, so partnering with them and them allowing us to come and be and speak at their different events in regards to water conservation um, you know sustainable detailing um, going to different green events especially in April when it's you know Earth Month we go to all the events and do demonstrations education days um, especially in the earlier days we were really 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 heavy on um, using those partnerships and avenues to advocate for the green detailing here really helped us um, in that aspect there. So uh, partnership for everything here, you know, without partnering with these kind of companies that are really advocating for us, we wouldn't be as, as far as we were within our own community at least. Mm -hmm. And um, there's a common stigma around green, green cleaning products, um, as consumers may assume that chemical-free cleaners are uh, a little bit less effective. Um, yeah. Can you tell us about any challenges you faced uh, debunking this myth? Yeah, so people ask all the time, you know, are your products going to be able to remove 
you know, X, Y, and Z for my vehicle because they're green, they're plant-based. People associate them with not being as strong. Mm-hmm. When in all actuality, they are just as strong. They're just, they've developed it to where it's not as toxic um, like other chemicals are. So we just explained that we wouldn't be in business for eight years if we were using products that weren't cleaning your vehicle at all. Mm-hmm. Um, but we choose to use products that are a lot more expensive um, and provide a, a less, uh, sure, we could have a higher profit margin, but we don't want to sacrifice the health of our team members or um, the consumer by using a cheaper product that was really strong. Um, so we just, you know, kind of go at it that way in regards to that question. But we do get it quite often, and we just just let them know that they are just as effective. They're just <laughs> a lot. <laughs> there's just a lot more cost involved with those specific products we use. Right. Um, and how do you stay competitive uh, with? quote unquote, traditional car washes who are able to offer their services for less money given the low cost of water and chemical cleaners? Uh, we don't. <laughs> so <laughs> we, <laughs> we aren't competitive at all with them because we don't, we don't want that specific type of, of client that they, that they cater to. Okay. Um, we know our demographic, we know our target market and mm-hmm. we choose to cater or specifically market to them. Mm-hmm. Um, our demographic typically is, um, you know, moms in, in most times that men and women between 34 and 34 year, or 34 and 44 years old, um, they have disposable income. Um, they, they drive luxury vehicles, high end vehicles and so forth. So we kind of cater towards that market and let mm-hmm. the car washes cater towards the general public that, you know, don't want that type of luxury service, you know, because what we provide is, is, is a luxury. It's, it's not a necessity. It's, it's a luxury, luxury good. So we choose to not really worry about competing with, uh, you know, local car washes and so forth and really just create our own market that way. Okay. And um, do you have any um, interest in expanding your demographics or seeing how they'll change in the future? Um, Not necessarily. I Mm. still think and believe that we haven't even tapped into a majority of what we can within our own demographic that we have. So um, once we cap out on that, which, it could take forever. There's tons of different um, um, suburbs outside of Tulsa that have that that same demographic that we're going after that we haven't even tapped into yet. So I really think we should continue focusing our efforts on who we know is our our, our target market right. and then continue to offer them the best service possible okay. before ra- branching out into other demographics. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Um, and what are the next steps for EcoGreen, and what are you hoping for in the future? Yeah, good question. So we talk about this all the time, of course. Um, I really think um, I think we have a great model for licensing um, down the road to be able to offer this specific model for other people um, all over the country to use. Um, we've built a, a lot over the past eight, almost nine years. Um, and we get asked all the time for people that, that want to franchise, that want to buy into it, and we just don't have that available just yet. So with the demand there and knowing what we've built over the past eight years, I believe we have a license, uh, a company that we can license out to other people to, to use our brand, um, mm-hmm. you know, wherever they're at in the world. Great. Very long-term goal, but... <laughs> Yeah. So um, with the licensing, are you imagining it um, going global or mostly for a U.S. based market? Um, U.S., of course, uh, initially, because it's more it'd be a lot easier as far as, Mm -hmm. you know, I've never been outside of the country. So 
a lot, a lot more easy to uh, to manage, I, I guess. Um, right. But we have had several inquiries. Uh, we've had some inquiries in um, Australia, South Africa, from people wanting to purchase this actual business and franchise model there. So we know it's it's being seen um, outside of the U.S. as well. So it's definitely not uh, not off the table whatsoever. I just thought of one last question, if you don't mind. Um, I've sure. been talking to um, people. I just kind of ran into um, people who have started startups, and they all seem to have this um, this moment of failure that really that was like kind of like their low point, and yeah. it was really helpful for other startups to hear hear that struggle and then see the startup now being successful and growing. So um, do you have any story of that nature to share of like a big failure that you overcame with your business? Um, we, we fail every day. I mean, not every, we, we fail all the time. Mm -hmm. um, but you just, we just take those failures and, and, and move forward. Um, mm -hmm. So trying to think back to a specific, you know, big failure that may have happened, but I, nothing really comes to mind. But I just know there's, you know, being you know, a 16 or a 17, 18 year old kid starting a business, mm -hmm. having no business knowledge whatsoever, you know, dropping out of college to go fulfill this dream of, of owning my own business. And um, there was tons of failures. There was times where, you know, I, I underpriced my services so much that where I, I couldn't really grow. There was times to where, um, you know, we've had, I don't know, we've damaged a client's vehicle and had a huge expense to, to fix it. Just different things like mm -hmm. that that go on throughout a, any business deals with. But having, you know, little knowledge of business and having to um, learn from my failures the past eight years have really helped us have a strong company and just really thick skin. Does that mm -hmm. make sense? Right, yeah. Um, so just really pushing through those failures and, and, and learning from them, uh, it's just kind of what we do. So I, I wish I had a more uh, concrete big failure but i think you know we we fell all the time we just kind of learn from it and move forward and, mm -hmm. and make adjustments and and get and get and get stronger from those failures right absolutely no i i love what you just shared and thank you so much for bearing with my random off the script no, 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 questions we, yeah we, i really appreciate it yeah <laughs> um yeah so i that's the last thing I have to say, unless you have any final thoughts or anything that you think would be important to add. No, no, not at all. I, okay. I, I very much so appreciate you mm -hmm. uh, having me on. It's, it's definitely an honor to even be uh, found by someone like you guys and, mm -hmm. and be able to share uh, this story with you guys. So hopefully it helps, you know, you know, your cause and then anyone mm -hmm. that's listening as well. Right. Uh, just get a greater understanding of what it is we do right now. Thank you also to our listeners. Please stay tuned to hear more from startups, businesses, and government who are driving environmental performance. Thank you for tuning in to People, Places, Planet Pod, brought to you by the Environmental Law Institute. We would like to hear from you, so please send us your questions, comments, and ideas to podcast at eli.org. And if you're interested in learning more about our work, attending one of our events, reading our publications, or becoming a member, please visit our website at www.eli.org.